Welcome to Thirsty on Tune, where we drink wine and read webtoons. Hi, I'm your co-host Bronwyn, your webtoon obsessive, dopamine addicted, idiots in love, and slow burn sommelier. And I'm your co-host Chris, webtoons acolyte, enemies to lovers lover, and banter core aficionado. So pull up a page, pour yourself a drink, and let's dive in. You're thirsty on Maine, we're thirsty on Tune. a little bit about challenges in queer publishing uh, with all the book bans and everything that we're seeing. We also need to talk about why we need those scripts in daily life. You know, we've all grown up reading things that have straight people at the center of all of the stories when queer people are at the center of all of those stories as well, right? The story isn't just about being queer, it's about living your life and we need the scripts to show us how to do that. But before we do something so very serious, let's do something very stupid instead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we're going to play a game first. We are... You might not have a slide for our game. That's okay. Ha-ha! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can be taught. It's fine. <laughs> all right. So I had you all put your favorite tropes on your name tag. So who would like to go first? Just tell me what your favorite trope is that's on your name tag. Anyone who wants to... Uh, who's leaving first, maybe, that can't stay the whole time? Where is he at? Where is he at? Oh, there he is! <laughs> Joey, what's your favorite trope? Uh, the trope that I wrote on here, based on the 
of my real life is an uh, inspirational English teacher from Freedom Writer. Yes! <laughs> I have the uh, Jennifer Garner pearl necklace and everything. <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. <laughs> that actually... It's awful. That hurt really deep in my soul. Yeah. So we are going to play Trope Smash or Pass, a.k.a. Would you smash or pass this trope? <laughs> Would you smash or pass the inspirational English teacher? Pass. <laughs> oh, Joey, I's sorry. <laughs> Bronwyn, would you smash or pass the inspirational English teacher? You know I love you, Joey, but hard pass. <laughs> Steve? Joey, we've known each other for a long time. We've been podcasting for nearly 13 years together. I think it's time we take this to the next level. We are staying over tomorrow night. I'm just saying. Oh. I, I know it's not, but I can only see Edward James almost going, why can't I reach these kids? <laughs> oh. There's the existential drama. <laughs> David. Call me Joy. Smash all the way. <laughs> As the resident grumpy, I'm going to pass. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. It's these friends. It's okay. You're just friend zone. It's okay. Friend zone's a good place to be. <laughs> Whose trope is next? Yes. Okay. Uh, possession by evil smudge baskets. Even better when they're a monster or a dragon. Oh. You know I'm smashing it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Ben. Uh, Smash for letting actors branch out. <laughs> Smash all the way. Steve, are you smashing? Can I get the trope one more time? Uh, yes. Possess- possession by evil smug bastards. Even better when it's a monster or a dragon. Out of curiosity, is, is this style Stalinsky we're talking about? Uh, no, it's just a lot of video games. Okay, fair. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Wolf fans in the room immediately thought of styles, or was it just me? <laughs> I was thinking Ray Palmer from season four of Legends of Tomorrow. You're right, you're right. I was thinking dragons. Okay, there was, there was, there was a lot of options. I just wanted it to be Teen Wolf. Okay, okay. I'm going to go smash again. David. I was going to pass, and then Stolinski entered the conversation. <laughs> David, you're right. You're so correct. <laughs> There was a right answer, and it was Styles. Okay, who's next? You also had your hand up. Yes. Yeah. DJ, do crime. Are yes. you smashing the idea of crimes? I will always smash crime. <laughs> Robin? You know that over on Thirsty on Tune, we are unequivocally on the side of murder. We are. <laughs> we are. If you need a reason to listen to our podcast, we love murder. <laughs> I will smash crime, and then I will do the time. Yes. <laughs> After doing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no sloppy seconds for you, bud. <laughs> Just for me. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Whose trope are we smash or passing next? Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Bob. How much 
Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Trying not to be the guy who yells, get off my lawn. Alright. <laughs> 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 but as someone who doesn't own a cell phone. Oh. <laughs> Alright, the the person we literally had to put a tag on today, <laughs> an Apple tag, so we could find him. You think we're kidding? We are not. We are not kidding. <laughs> this is not a joke. Well that sounds very inconvenient, so I'm gonna say pass. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like too much work. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking the age gap grumpy sunshine writes itself here. <laughs> Bob, you know I would smash. <laughs> smash. <laughs> Steve smashes the talking comics universe. <laughs> I'm going to go with smash because then we can do the two old Muppets together. <laughs> oh, uh, grumpy, grumpy. Not grumpy sunshine. I like it. I've never seen it done. Novel. <laughs> All right. Who's got a trope for us? Yes. Sound family. I think my body of work has shown that I smash with found family. <laughs> it's not incest if there's no blood. Broadway! <laughs> you know I smashed that. <laughs> it's okay. They're related. See? Uh, t- putting jokes aside, found family being something that's very important to me and I have a lot of respect for, absolute smash. Yeah! <laughs> you thought it was going to go a different way and then it didn't. <laughs> Since that's pretty much all I write, Yeah. <laughs> Who, okay. Let's just get a show of hands. Who is yes on Found Family with that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You say something different online so you don't get canceled, but you get smacked. We know. Look, you, you don't have to be horny to be horny for Found Family. It's okay. <laughs> but it does help. <laughs> that would make a great bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We have a Maybe time for two more. Who wants it? All right. Oh, two of the, uh, two of the uh, uh, good omens in the front. I know. Here. I love this. Sorry, what was that? Uh, childhood friends. Ooh, yes. yes. Oh, friends to I'm, lovers. I'm jumping this one because yes. 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 <laughs> so it is childhood friends to lovers in this case. Is it childhood friends to lovers for you? Uh, I'm going to pass because I didn't have friends in childhood. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh wow. Childhood friends to lovers. No, oh, not in this wow. case. Ouch. Okay, Steve, childhood friends? I'm unfortunately going to pass. Oh, no. Sorry. It's childhood so friends to not lovers. No. They've gone away. <laughs> it's childhood friends Long enemies. distance smash. <laughs> David. Um, I'm writing one right now, so yeah. Woo. Yeah. All right. Last one. Who feels brave? Who's, who's got a weird one? I can't be. Look, I have long. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Yeah. What is it? Outer God. Oh, yes. Smash. Smash and make it weird. Yes. <laughs> Keep it weird. Yeah. How many uh, tentacles are we talking here? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Smash. I'm going to have to go with pass and down to two little brain tokens on my Arkham Horror Board. Oh, oh. That's fair. That's fair. It might not be worth dying for, but it might be. I mean, better ways to go. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. Well, you all were lovely. Give yourselves a hand for that game. Y'all did great. Guys, uh, you were all freaky and weird. You're our kind of people. I love it. <laughs> thousand percent. Did I say this was an explicit podcast? I feel like I forgot that. <laughs> I think you had them when you said the whole bit about Batman's dick. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was before the show. <laughs> anyway.
fucking cunt. Okay, let's go back to the <laughs> <laughs> Etymologically speaking, Chris, still the best reference to a vagina. <laughs> Brian, will you go back in our slides, please? Here? No. Yeah. Forward, I mean. Forward, I mean. There we go. All right. Please introduce our next bit. Uh, well, I think we talked about this a little bit. Do you want me to move on one more? I feel like we should explain scripts. Okay. I think you should explain scripts since I've been talking so much, but I'll keep talking. It's about me anyway. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And I thought you were only here for the jokes. I am. And for the attention, obviously. (laughs) So anyway, as Bronwyn said, I am sometimes a therapist. (laughs) You know, therapist by day, monster fucker by night. Um, so uh, scripts are an idea that we use in therapy a lot. And the idea of this is the things that we learn about society by reading stories or watching stories. So, for example, as you were growing up, how many of you watched Disney movies? Right. Pretty much every... Interesting. <laughs> Looking just at the only person who didn't even a little bit raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to shame, but what was it? <laughs> Surely, like, we watch a lot of Disney movies, and they give us some ideas of what life is like. Probably weird ones, to be totally honest. <laughs> Deeply we, weird ones. We all probably thought our parents might die soon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but we get ideas about things like love and, you know, what it's going to look like. And for most of us, those stories were... The Thank you. Straight. <laughs> Aggressively. And very, like, gendered and very, very, like, heteronormative. So the idea of queering a strip is is that we need stories that are different than that to teach us how to have those kind of lives. Yeah, and maybe a little bit more consent-based, because, wow, Disney, thanks. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not saying, I'm just saying, some of those princess ones? (laughs) Like, we need to talk. (laughs) What's wrong with Sleeping Kitty? Oh, honey. panel members can talk a little bit about what the importance of queer stories were for you all growing up, if you saw them at all. I didn't see them. You didn't? It's an easy one. So the whole reason I write what I write is I love high fantasy and epic fantasy. I love urban fantasy. And when we did show up, we were either a villain or a pedophile, or we died tragically always to further the dude heroes, and it was always a dude, uh, story. We were never the hero. We were never... Center and we and we almost never showed up. And you're you're doing things like and I'm from the 70s. I'm pretty old, so I'm rotating Tolkien. Like, are those two hobbits doing something? <laughs> they were. There, they like, were. There was subtext sometimes, but we were never canonically on the page. And I mean, it's sad. It's two, it's 2023, and my book Dark Moon Shallow Sea comes out on Halloween. Whoop. As far as I can tell, it's still the first epic fantasy about a gay man by a gay man in traditional publishing in 2023. And if you find another, please let me know. Uh, but it's it's depressing as hell. So the whole reason I write what I write is I'm trying to write the stories I always wanted to read and put them into the world. And we just didn't have those models, and I'm so glad because people today do have those models, especially in young adult literature. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think my first exposure to uh, gay characters in fiction was probably the John Waters episode of The Simpsons, which if you haven't seen it in a while, is a fantastic episode. Like, <laughs> classic Simpsons at its best. Holds up amazing. John Waters is a fucking king. Uh, 
the movie that definitely fucking rewired my brain, though, as an adolescent, was But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes. Yes. That, that movie messed me up in ways that I <laughs> wouldn't even fully unpack for like a decade and five or eight more rewatches of that movie. My story with, I guess my evolution with queer stories goes back to 2011 when we founded the Talking Comics website and podcast where I was, came into comics very late and came into comics very straight and reading comics that, as my some of my co-hosts can attest, weren't representative in any way, shape or form. Looking back on that now and finding all of the characters and all the stories and all the themes and everything that I found particularly in the last couple of years uh, has been extraordinarily freeing. One of the things uh, that really helped me was I actually moved from the States and into Canada. Lucky. And, <laughs> and um, you know, one of, the, one of the byproducts of doing that... Um, in addition to, unfortunately, moving away from some of my friends, I moved away from my blood-related family. Unfortunately, my blood-related family doesn't really know too much about me these days and doesn't know how much I've grown, uh, how much I have been exploring my sexuality within the last couple of years. And queer stories have really helped to put me in that mindset and be comfortable with exploring who I am and what that means. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. And honestly, this weekend, even just today with this starting, being surrounded by everyone has been one of the most incredible days that I've had in the past decade. So, yeah. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being here. Rama? <laughs> I know you're like crying now. <laughs> yeah, I should Suck have. the tears in and answer yeah. the question. <laughs> You're a licensed therapist, everyone. <laughs> Tonight I'm the monster fucker, not the therapist, thank you. <laughs> therapist after hours. <laughs> or after dark, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm an obsessive reader. Um, <laughs> if you know her, that's a hilarious How many books this year? <laughs> I mean, to the point where my neurologist has told me I need to read less. <laughs> Uh, she has a prescription to read less, friends. <laughs> I, I, I've read 300-some books this year. I have a problem. I'm aware. Uh, um, but I, I read so much because I'm autistic and because that is the place where I'm safe and I am comfortable and I control the amount and the type of stimulation that I can get. And... I didn't understand that about myself until much later in life. And now all of a sudden I have all of these queer stories that speak to my experience and my happy place. And I can put myself there anytime I want. And I have 15 reading apps on my phone. And so no matter where I am or, or what I'm doing or how overwhelmed I am or what I need at any given point, I can put myself in that place by reading by exploring these stories. And that has been such a revelation for me. It, I, I legitimately don't have words, <laughs> so. I think, so for me, I am ace, arrow, 
uh, neurodivergent and non-binary. So there isn't a me. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in real life, there is, but in fiction, like they just uh, it doesn't exist. But the first uh, ever asexual I ever saw was Todd Chavez on BoJack Horseman when I was like twenty fucking eight, and I was sitting on the couch with like tears running down my face, embarrassingly, like a lot, watching this like fucking man on a cartoon. <laughs> being an idiot and I was just like it's me <laughs> and I was so mad because I was like I'm 28 and this is the first time anyone has even remotely had my experience and I was watching him try to explain himself to people and he couldn't because no one had ever heard of his experience and I was like that's my every day and it sucked so much to think about um, and that was the whole thought. I'm like, <laughs> there's no further thought. But I still haven't seen that many. Like, since then, it hasn't gotten that much better, which sucks. So that's why, I mean, we need this. Because that's, it shouldn't still be that story years later for us. But it is. <laughs> Not like I haven't seen these, but they still crack me up. <laughs> So when we talk about scripts, the other thing we need is sex positivity and kink scripts. Yes. How often have you seen truly sex positive and truly kink positive depictions in media? How often are you seeing, are you seeing this a lot? Let's put it that way. No. Right, right. Can anyone think of like a really good kink positive depiction of anything you want to shout out? Yeah, Bob. Stay punched to the Sunstone. Yes, yes. Sunstone. Sunstone. Yes. Uh, Iris Foxglove. Iris Foxglove. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't read Iris Foxglove's books. They're so good. <laughs> but anything else? It's not a book, but Netflix's Bonding. Bonding. Yes. Oh, so yeah. It's so frustrating because it only got the two seasons. They were 15 minute episodes, but it was so good. And it, what I liked is it explored the fetishization from the outside the community as well as what it really meant from inside the community. I yeah. thought it was yeah. really well done. Absolutely. Anything else? Uh, there's another Netflix show. I don't know its name. It's one of those home renovation shows where oh, a yeah. lady comes How in to and just film. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> sex Dungeon? Yeah, Sex Dungeon yeah. Lady. Yeah. <laughs> That one's so good, guys. It's called How to Build a Sex Dungeon. I think it does. I like when she's got the talent from Finland, guys, because those guys clearly didn't need any lessons and just wanted free money for a renovation from Netflix. We love that for them. Anyone else? I mean, anything? I've got one that I don't know if it counts or not. All right. We'll judge you. Okay. Perfect. I mean it. I mean it. Uh, What comes to mind is Colleen Coover's Small Favors. Colleen Hoover? Hoover. Coover. Coover. That's Colleen a different Coover. person. I'm sorry. Okay. It's called Small Favors, the Definitive Girly Porn Collection. Oh, that sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. Oh, we'll take it's it. It's extremely positive. I heard girly porn. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, my uh, good friend of mine uh, has a web series. You can watch the first few episodes on YouTube called Open To It, and it is entirely about a gay couple uh, exploring polyamory. There we go. And also, I'm writing one of the episodes in season two. So oh! Whoa! Okay. <laughs> what do you have? I yes. love that one. Yes, it's so we good. Boyfriends. <laughs> yes. I was calling it just uh, before it started as a webcomic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, very nice. It helped me discover a lot about Yeah. It. Yeah. Boyfriends is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
how rare this is that there, the kink community is huge, but the representation of it is very small, and because of that, people still have huge misconceptions about what it is. I mean, think about when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and oh. people were very <laughs> <Sorry>. confused. <laughs> <laughs> I the, the amount of rea varied reactions we just had was very entertaining. <laughs> it was good because people got excited. It was bad because nobody knew what the fuck they were talking about. So <laughs> Any other thoughts that our crowd has about kink positivity? People want to shout out? I think... It's important to start seeing these scripts um, for a lot of reasons. Sex and kink positivity is important because it starts to kind of um, explore the idea that our society has been very uh, conservative, obviously, for a long time. And it a lot of that is about control, right? It's control over us, control over our bodies, control over our minds, control over our thoughts. And really, it's not about the things that they say about safety or morality or any of those things, it's about control, you know, and it's rooted in colonialism, it's rooted in patriarchy, and it's rooted in capitalism. Yes. And those are not yes. anything to do with sex. You know, they're not anything to do with kink. They're not anything to do with health or safety or any of that. So seeing more positivity around sex and sex work and kink and all of yes. these things are so important because those things in and of themselves are not bad. They're great, they're beautiful, they're important, they're everlasting. Like They're always going to be there and we should be celebrating them and doing them safely and doing them in the open and exploring them. Yeah, because think about where we have seen these things represented. We see sex work and kink represented in murder mysteries, as the criminals, as the murdered, right? We're seeing them represented poorly and criminalized. We're not seeing them represented as a script. And that's the difference. And that also comes into play with the AI issues with taking over for our artists, uh, right? Uh, yeah, no, grown. This is the thing. But I love this crowd. I mean, <laughs> deeply. <laughs> um, because when you have AI coming in to make art or write stories, they mine data, right? And the data that they're mining results in... Basically, more stereotypes. Yes. Because AI is racist. Racist as fuck! AI is homophobic, because what it is mining... Yeah, Exactly! What it is mining is the worst versions of us. It is not mining... It's not out there going like, you know what, I think this is actually not good. They don't mention that in the vision comics. They read closely and it's there. This is why we need people writing stories and making art. He would be the worst fucking dude, bro. It was really nice to be able to put it on the page, but it was also cool to 
explore the differences between aromantic versus asexual. Yeah. And these guys aren't aromantic, um, but they but I have Arjun, she's aromantic. So it's been really interesting to sit down and explore, talk to people who are ace and aro and say, okay, what is that what form does that take for you? Yeah. Like I have a very good friend who is totally aromantic but is not asexual and <laughs> has a very active sex life. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to see you twice. <laughs> and, and what, and the stigma that kind of comes with that, right? And the conversations around it, as well as, and then the flip side would be ace. And I do like that a lot more ace um, writers, like Katie Edwards mm -hmm. and TJ Klune are getting so much play right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Getting such a career, because you're seeing ace as a bigger conversation as yeah. part of the queer community. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. This is why, okay, David, you don't like me to compliment you, so close your ears. Because um, <laughs> I'm going to do it. This is why David is such a good writer, because he puts so much representation and works so hard to make it really good, and that's why you should read his books. <laughs> you didn't cover your ears, David. <laughs> my sister is burning through my Kobo account listening to the white trash warlock series <laughs> over and over and over. I can't even so get at them. <laughs> Invited him on this panel just so I could compliment him and walk to his face. And watch me explode from blushing. Yeah, I really love doing that. It's fun. I mean, in a comic I did that came out this past spring, uh, Griffin, the main relationship there is a non-binary uh, person with a cis man relationship. And just showing that, you know, a trans mask with men, like a couple, but just showing them very overtly sexual and having yeah. sex even amongst and explicitly during space battles. Yes! <laughs> and this is why you should get Ben's books. And I also invited them here so I could come with them to their face a lot. The title should be Photon Torpedoes Make Me Horny. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up work? <laughs> That'll be my fanfic for it. Yes. Uh, it, if you are looking for things to read, you need to read Renegade Rule by this one here because, Aww. dear lord, one of my favorite books. Oh my god. If you like gay gamer girls, it's a good book for you. Yes. <laughs> Before we melt into a puddle of complimenting each other, would you like to have dinner? Oh, yes. All right, so let's talk fan fiction, friends. Speaking of, so I'm also a researcher, and one of the things I love to research is the power of fan fiction in our lives. And it's powerful. Because you mean the reason Star Trek is still a franchise? The we all fucking love Star Trek. Um, but truly, because this is the way that before media was queer, we all made it queer. Because we said, how dare you? We're going to write it ourselves. And we made Spock and Kirk kiss, their, oh, kiss each other's bussies. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know I they said, were doing it all along. I said this was an explicit podcast. That's where the term slash comes from. Her slash fiction was literally Kirk slash Spock. Yep. It, they yes. literally the original. They began it for us. <laughs> that was a of silence for our forefathers. <laughs> We've got the hot young versions on Strange New World, don't worry. I, I know. Oh, and the way they look at each other on Strange New World, they know what they're doing. Yeah, I fucking is serious. <laughs> <laughs> David, say more about fan fiction. You seem very knowledgeable. So, uh, can I can I say something about fan fiction real quick? Yeah. So what? I, sh does anybody read Sean McGuire? She's fantastic. I love her. Okay. Woo! So I love Sean McGuire because someone was trying to trash fan fiction, and they had her in an interview, and they were like, "Is it true you write or used to write fan fiction?" She's like, "Yeah, it's how I got started. I'm super proud of it." And she's like, and she just went off on this awesome like ode to fan fiction, and it was fantastic because she's like, "Stop." Stop trashing fan fiction. It's such an incredible, incredible 
place to learn to write and play with tropes and queer things up and mm-hmm. mix it up. And I just love that. And I love everything she had to say about it. And I love, I love people write fan fiction about my characters. I can't read it, so no sense. But, um, I'm but I can, afraid. so send me fan fiction for his book. <laughs> there was some big poet who was tweeting about, like, which shit. Yeah, he's yes. best at, like, which supernatural ships he's best at writing. Freaking brilliant. I love that. It, it always makes me laugh so hard how much Anne Rice hates fanfiction. I don't know why that means, right? It's the funniest fucking shit because her books are so fanfiction. Wait, she's dead. Well, before. When? Okay. Before. <laughs> when she was alive, David. She doesn't mind so much these days. Actually, from the grave. She's reading it now. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen AMC's interview with the vampire, oh, holy yeah. shit, go Thank watch you, it. Fan <laughs> Iron it if you must. It's a really, really big thing, her fighting against fanfiction. I know, yeah, I and know, it's so funny. She's not tweeting from the grave. Well, yeah. <laughs> she might be. She's <laughs> Anne Rice. Have you seen her photos? <laughs> I've seen her too. Woo! <laughs> She's not an image for is so important because it is the yeah. only place in it is the only place in publishing where the demographic is more non-binary and women and people of color than white men <laughs> only only and that is true <laughs> that is real we have completely flipped the demographic in publishing that is from AO3's own research because they do research who knew <laughs> So I don't know if that's true on Wattpad too, but it seems to Look, be. Look, I'm sorry, there are nerds on there, and when there's data and there's nerds, you're going to get stats. <laughs> you right, you right. I said what I said. Right. And it, it, so it's powerful. It is a place where people can completely explore who they are. That people have figured out their identity through fan fiction. I figured out my identity by writing it. You know, when I wrote characters, and then I was like. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> oh, I get it. None of them are smashing. Wait a second. I like Slash, but I don't write erotica. Why? Well, you never know like who or what's going to come from the fan fiction either. People that start, or if they do, even do it exclusively, like they go on to write incredible things, and there's incredible fan fiction too. Some fan fiction is better than the published thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> Real. The mm-hmm. entire Mortal Instruments series, because that was Draco Malfoy fanfiction. Yes. You know, there's no, there's no rules. There's no one looking over your shoulder. There's no one telling you what you're allowed to put in your stories. Mm-hmm. You the, can be as un, unhinged as you want. The last publishing year, where would we have been without the amount of uh, Steve Eddy published fanfic that came out? Am I right? It was like twelve books. If you don't know what I mean, come up afterward. <laughs> we'll point you in a steady direction. <laughs> That's actually how we met, too. That is, fan fiction is the start of our friendship. It was Lord of the Rings, Faramir slash Eomer fan fiction. <laughs> Did they meet in the books or the movies? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they didn't even have a line. It's irrelevant. <laughs> so romantic. But they were in love. And that's how we fell in love. <laughs> it's true. It is true. It's true. Her husband has to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> All of a sudden, we were Polly because we're in love and QPP. <laughs> All right, Roman, you want to hit that next slide? 
<sighs> so now we're open for questions for any of our lovely panelists. Yes. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you, Brent. First of all, thank you guys for doing this panel. Aww. Thank you. Um, so my question is, how? So we want to convince corporate institutions mm -hmm. that it's worth investing Ooh. in your scripts. Mm -hmm. How much of our efforts should be in trying to get heterosexual people to consume that content versus getting queer people to consolidate more and, and buy into more queer content that already exists? Not to suggest that there's a binary in that, that you could do both. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Good. Please, please, David. Yeah, yeah. This feels like a David. <laughs> this is very David. So I, I spent a lot of time studying the industry as a as a kind of publish author. I spent a lot of time analyzing, talking to editors, agents, blah blah blah. Um, it's definitely a rising tide situation. Sorry, boys. Um, so, for example, I didn't I didn't like the book Red White Coral Blue. Right, I just didn't enjoy the book. I still uh, to watch the movie that just dropped because oh, capitalism, everything's about money, right? So if they see, oh, people have there's a hunger for this media, therefore we should acquire more along those lines. So, you know, Love Simon basically opened the door for this. So what happens is they always look at the dollars and the sales. And there, while there are more of us than ever, we still need straight people. And I like I thought Love, Simon was more of a movie about coming out for straight people. Like, they got it. Like, oh, that's why this is so hard for you. I was like, okay, yeah, they're getting it. So to me, you want as many people as possible to read as much as possible. And... You want so if you like something, a piece of media, expose everyone to it. Talk about it. I, like if you're my friend, you're only getting books as gifts. You're not getting anything else. Like I'm not. That's true. You're yeah. Right? It's true. I just literally sent Chris like 15 sapphic books. Yeah. Like, a week ago. It's um, the greatest thing ever. It's like your Kindle blew up. But um, but that's the thing is like, talk about it, tweet about it, you know, review it. But it really comes down to that's how we vote for what kind of media we want and representation. So when you do find something good, make, you hear me shouting about it, like I will tell you a million things. I just tweeted all the books I talked about on our, my panel earlier, because if you find something you like, tell people about it, share it, and make sure that the straight people in your life get into it too. Um, a, it might open their minds a little bit, or make them see a little bit more, or see a more humanized side of us, which I think is really helpful. Then in addition to that, it's that capitalist voting thing where Ah, somebody does want this. There is a market for it, and that's how we convince them. Yeah. If I can uh, jump on what you're saying, there's a really incredible book that just came out called Hi Honey, I'm Homo. Great title, I know. Um, it is really brilliant. It is about the history of the queer liberation movement through sitcoms. Very worth reading. I know, it's so good. But one of the things they talk about is the way that showing queer characters through sitcoms, like the characters that is showed, even if they haven't always been the greatest representation, which they haven't, has represent, like, you, there is research on how it has changed straight people's mind. I mean, we can say what we want about President Biden, believe me, I will, um, but we're out right now. Um, but he did say that part of what changed his mind about gay marriage was Modern Family and Will and Grace. Like, those aren't great representations, but it did change his mind. So sometimes the, the research has showed 
that seeing repeatedly media with gay people has changed straight people's mind about gay people as much as knowing a gay person in real life. So, you know, fill their mailboxes with books. <laughs> keep giving it to them. In marketing, we call it the rule of 20, which yeah. is that you have to see something 20 times before you'll buy it. Yeah. And there's a whole chart of how many times you're exposed. It's, it's that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just normalizing and humanizing us and on all levels. And the more that happens, then, oh, then you put cracks in that wall. Things are a lot less scary the more familiar they are. So even though most people will say at this stage, like 2023, oh, that's not scary. In the back of their head, they're not necessarily going to buy a book or buy media or you know consume something because they're afraid of what it would say if they bought that or what, you know. But if we completely normalize it or we buy it for them or we give them something or uh, Chris and I went to the library conference at ALA not that long ago and we went up to every publisher we could find and said give me all your queer books yeah. <laughs> we only want to review your queer books <laughs> you know these are all uh, very intelligent nuanced answers to this <laughs> I'm going to go a different way I'm so excited <laughs> and my gut response is we're telling our own stories now and we're not going to stop so straight people either get on board or get out of our way and I just need to argue with Bronwyn a little because yeah, every exposure that I get to you Chris I get scared, more scared every time I mean that, that is the effect I have on people it's, it's weirdly counterintuitive <laughs> and yet you're still addicted yeah <laughs> it's, it's yes that's true. <laughs> you love me. <laughs> Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, could you speak a little to what you think the role of indie media and the sort of indie uh, push for queer media is in terms of pushing traditional publishing? Yes, we can. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, come on. Um, romance is a really interesting thing. Romance was 60% of the traditional publishing market until about four years ago when romance figured out RWA, Romance Writers of America, because of some racist nonsense, basically imploded, and romance writers realized they could self-publish and go indie and do just as well as they could in the track market. Now it's mysteries, because that was always number two, but you've seen much of the romance market shift indie. You're seeing lots of publishers like Tor, for example, they're publishing T.J. Klune's back catalog, which I won't give you the whole background, but basically he had re-self-published it from its original small publisher, now Tor is able to put on new covers and publish that. So what happens is, we're Legends and Lattes, has anyone read that or seen it? Yep. Cozy, it launched Cozy Fantasy, it's got everybody really excited. That was indie published and then Tor picked it up. So what you're seeing is indie, they follow the dollars, right? Again, capitalism only cares about one thing. They only follow the dollars. So when they saw an indie publisher or writer doing really well in something, then now they're saying, let us bring you into the fold and make a quick edit on it, slap a new cover on it, and repub. Alice Six, Legends and Lattes, um, there's several other examples recently on this. So indie is causing a shockwave because the traditional market for media doesn't quite know what to do. I'm really, and that's publishing, I'm really curious to see how filmmaking and things, the strikes going on right now, I'm hoping it leads to a resurgence in indie filmmaking and more independent work like that. Fingers crossed. Steve, do you have any thoughts on this? Which part? It really is. <laughs> he he mentioned David mentioned the strike, and I just started I to saw, kind of go I catatonic. Saw you have like this. 
I, uh, reaction. <laughs> I work in film, and, and the the strike stuff goes all the way to the bottom, and it's been really uh, disheartening to kind of be on the ground floor and see how that stuff trickles down because not only are the larger stories not being told, but it makes it all the harder for queer stories to be told. And we are making headway in that arena. There are some people that are hip to it and are, are giving people a venue to tell those stories. And what's happening in the industry right now until they negotiate out of it and figure out a better way to go, those stories will suffer. And it is something that desperately needs to be fixed. And when things do get fixed, people need to get loud and they need to bring those stories to the forefront. Like yeah. Heartstopper just dropped. Red, White, and Royal Blue is now out. Uh, Nimona just came out a couple of... Yeah. Nimona, Nimona is hands down one of the greatest animated films I've seen in the past decade, without a doubt. Um, one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite movies. I want to see those stories elevated and when we tune in for them, when we watch them, even if you have to, if you're going out for the day, leave it on repeat and just <laughs> let it go because unfortunately the only thing that sends a signal to these studios is numbers. They're cold, cold people. And the only thing that speaks to them is numbers. So if we get the numbers up there, those stories will have a bigger platform. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, just about indies, I think that what you're saying, it's unfortunately in this capitalist system, it all translates to dollars and numbers. And I kind of see, you know, indies where we can, at least at the earliest levels, make a groundswell of support, show the numbers that are there, show the audience that exists, show the, the dollars involved. I mean, I've gotten lucky that I've been able to do um, some pretty mainstream queer stuff, like Renegade Rule for Dark Horse, uh, El Campbell Wins Their Weekend for Scholastic. And again, and that mainstream level only comes after like the trail has already been blazed by those indie works that proved that the, proved to these, you know, these corporations that the audience and demand is there. I know for for us, Bronwyn and I started Thirsty on Tune because we wanted to talk about all things indie. So we started talking about webtoons on our podcast, the, the webcomic app. We've broadened out to talking about all things indie and small press um, because we love that that's where all the queer things are. I mean, they're starting to be things that are more mainstream, but there's a lot more in the indie spaces. Webtoons is like very gay. If you haven't jumped on that app, it's like gay, 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 gay. I don't know why they haven't made a gay tab yet. I'm so mad about it. And I, I like blow up their um, thing all the time where I'm like, make a gay tab because there's so many gay comics on there. So much more than traditional publishing, even though we're starting to get gayer in traditional publishing. My notebook turned into a hunky man. Got <laughs> <laughs> to study. I must kiss him. <laughs> Watch out for the paper cuts. <laughs> or if you like the paper cuts, I'm just saying. Uh, but like, the, you know, indie published and small press publishing is so gay too. You should absolutely go check out our friend AK's booth is out there today, uh, and you can pick up like Jack of Thorns, which is really good. There's all kinds of like indie books here that you can get, and it's just there's just so much gay stuff out there in the indie world. Brahman. Um, the fact that 
everything is so capitalist obviously sucks. Yes, boo. <laughs> but it does give us a little bit of power if we can get together and use our money collectively to just say this is what we want and this is what we don't want. So when the 65th Joker movie comes out, maybe we don't go to the theater. Okay, but yeah. the musical one's going to have Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> tell an audience full of gays not to go to the Lady Gaga musical. I mean, fair. <laughs> I hated the first one, but this one has Lady Gaga. <laughs> well, and something else, too, because, again, we're all cash-strapped in this day and age. Yeah, that's true. Libraries. Your library helps authors. And they, if they don't have it, they can get it. Yes. So just ask them to stock it and check it out. Even if you don't read it, you can just put it down to get it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, somebody likes that David Guy stuff. Um, it helps authors. Libraries have to pay yes. more to, to stock an author's book, so it helps us just as much as if you bought it from somewhere else. Here. And if you um, if you have local independent bookstores, too, always ask them. If you can support them, it usually costs more than something like Amazon. Um, it can help too. Again, that all those numbers get back to the publishers and to the, and to the industry and go, oh, that's uh, people want that. So, he, my best friend's a librarian, so I'm about to give you guys some real deets. You might want to pull out your notebooks <laughs> or your phones. Here you go. <laughs> the Brooklyn Public Library lets you get a, a library card no matter where you live, including Canada. Including Canada. <laughs> And right now, because Texas is being a bit of a son of a bitch, the Hartfield County Library lets you get it for free, and they have all the gay books, all of them, and you can get 30 books out online on Libby, audiobooks, and I have one right now, and I got 30 books out right now. So I'm telling you right now, you can get all kinds of free library cards right now because the libraries are trying to counter the book banning shit. And there is a lot of laws trying to push back on this right now. There are, there like, um, Mississippi is trying to prevent kids from getting library cards because of this. Oh, so gross. we need to fight back against this shit because they are recognizing that libraries are doing this. So support your local library. Go to the protest because this stuff's happening. And libraries are kind of the forefront of queerness. We went to ALA, which is the library convention, and we were like. Is it a pride march? We don't know. The librarians are so gay, you all. Oh my god. Never have I been to a better con like other than like, this one, maybe. But like, gay here. It was so gay, it was so colorful and very well organized. And everyone just lines up and they're so polite. Everybody had snacks. Everybody took care of us. It was so nice. It was wild. We, you, in the middle of Chicago, downtown, and you know where you are because you found a straight, single-file line of people in cardigans. <laughs> <laughs> they made a fake it was park. so cute. A fake park in the middle of the convention center where everyone sat and one guy played a banjo. It was the greatest. <laughs> Other questions, my lovely friends? What else do you want to know? They can. They don't have to be quite as serious as this either. But like, <laughs> we can get back to monster fucking. Yeah, we yeah. Can. <laughs> I will take your monster fucking questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no. Okay, wait. Who? Wait. I didn't see a hand. Yes. I'm just wondering what everyone's currently reading. Oh my god, <laughs> Brownwin, what thirty books are you currently reading? Look, you didn't have to come at me quite that hard. <laughs> but you know I like to come at you hard. That's though. true. I do know that. Okay, well, let's check. I am I'm right asexual. here. I'm just really, really <laughs> slutty asexual. <laughs> this is Chris's asexual slut era. Okay, let's see. What am I reading right now? 
Okay, in Kindle, I'm currently reading Caught Stealing. It's the second book in the Leighton U because it's a sports gay romance is my happy place when I'm going to sleep. Um, she loves a hockey fucker. Oh my god, a hockey fucker. Look, I'm Canadian, okay? not the most Canadian So, speaking of my Canadian hockey fucking, um, power plays and straight A's I'm re-listening to. That one's actually really cute. <laughs> and I hate sports. Um, Please tell me one of these is called Shot to the Penalty Box. <laughs> that definitely exists. Yeah, I will definitely, definitely write the sapphic one. <laughs> Um, I'm also reading uh, My Heart's a Chainsaw. Did anyone else see that? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, hockey fucking? I'm in. Uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw, which is also incredible. Ooh, read um, that book. That's good. It's really good, but I can't read it right before bed because it's too scary. Um, but, like, really good and scary. Um, a Flicker in the Dark I just finished, so I don't know if that still counts, but it was really fun. Um, what else? Uh, we will be here the rest of the time. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's probably enough. <laughs> like, okay, Bronwyn, we have to go. Because no. if I start <laughs> listing my webtoons, we will be here all night. <laughs> uh, so I'm constantly just trying to keep up with all my weekly comics, but the uh, big one I'm currently in the middle of is uh, Dan Slott, Mike Allred, and Laura Allred's run of Silver Surfer. Ooh. Nice. Yes. Got that on the bus, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, I just finished reading Lavender House by Whoa! Love A.C. Rosen. Wait, and nobody read Lavender House. Read Lavender House. It's gay. <laughs> Lavender House is outstanding. And then uh, I read the second arc in that series, A Bell in the Fog, which is an absolutely fantastic expansion of that first novel, introducing new characters, kind of just blowing up that world and taking you outside of the Lavender House and inter- introducing you to a bunch of gay clubs and a good mystery. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and if you're at all on Webtoon, I just finished reading all of Blades of Furry, which is fantastic. The art is spectacular. <laughs> art is spectacular. It's very gay and it's very good. David? So I'm reading, um, I got an arc of Helen Corcoran's Daughter of Winter and Twilight. Ooh. And, um, yeah, you, you should be jealous on that one. That's yeah. really good. And then I'm reading... She's one of the authors you sent me 500 books of. Yeah. She's, <laughs> it's sapphic YA fantasy. Her first one, Queen of Coin and Whispers, is a little magic. Wonderful, beautiful world building. Um, and I'm reading Guilt by Association by Gregory Ash. That's my current audio book. Ooh, I like Ooh. him. He's great. He's a, he's a doll, too. He's a sweetheart. Um, and then the thing I'm most excited for is the fourth volume C.S. Poe's Steam and Magic series. It's yes. out in December. Jesus, I love that one. Um, start with, what's the first one? The Engineer? Yes. Yeah, The Engineer is a novella. C.S. Poe's fantastic. She's actually local um, here. And she's, I love her stuff, but I particularly love Steam and Magic. It's just really good. I've so. read a ton of her. I'm like, where? What's the next one? What's the next one? She's like, I'm doing this mystery. I need that. You need the, the steam. <laughs> <laughs> please, please I, I forgot. I just finished an arc of Emmett by uh, Lev Rosen as well. And yeah. holy crap, that was the. Oh, it was so good. That was prolific and just dropped a white hit. Yes. Lion's yeah. Legacy, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So I'm reading a horror book right now and it's so scary. Um, it is called thir- episode thirteen. Has anyone read this? Oh my god, it's so scary! <laughs> I'm terrifying myself, but it's really good. It's about ghost hunters, 
but it is sadly not gay. So my gay recommendation. Um, <laughs> You're reading a straight book. I'm reading a straight book, but it's about ghost hunters. So it's like, like what? <laughs> I thought it was gay, David. Like what straight baited? I don't believe the in best of us sometimes. <laughs> I really did think it was gay. It was my bad. I went into a gay bookstore and they had a straight book. It was, I, I was confused. Um, <laughs> no, but my my very gay recommendation is I just finished rereading. Yes, thank you. We got our five minute warning. We're almost done. I promise. Thank you. You're awesome. I'm so sorry. We're very tight wordy. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, I just finished reading Liar City by Ali Thurman. So good. And I made sure to read it, and I'm making, I made Brahman read it, and I'm slowly making everyone read it, so all of you should read it, too, <laughs> because it's so good, and it is about the way that, like, we have demonized empathy in our culture, but it's told through, like, psychic gay trauma. Because <laughs> it's all about the trauma. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, because we love trauma. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they're like, trauma, what? It's called Liar City, and it's great. It's so good. So, uh, everyone, will you please tell our beautiful audience where they can find you, what you are promoting, and, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Yeah, you can uh, find me online at bencomics.com, at Twitter, at at bencon, and... I am promoting my upcoming uh, prose debut, El Campbell Windsor Weekend, which is out October 17th from Scholastic, and is about a non-binary 7th grader escaping detention with the help of their two best friends to trek across town and meet their celebrity hero. It's so good! Uh, I'm at dead underscore Icarus online, and you can catch me every week on the Talking Comics podcast. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. We are 610 episodes deep. Woo! And uh, we talk about books of all types, um, but we do talk about a lot of queer media and characters, and we love to celebrate uh, the medium there. Um, you find me at davidrslayton.com. If you just Google David R. Slayton, just don't forget the R. There's a lot of David Slaytons out there, and some of them are Florida man types. Ooh. Weird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's some attorney dude in Texas. I tend to get his email. Um, and I've got the Adam Binder trilogy is complete right now with White Trash Warlock, Trailer Park Trickster, and Deadbeat Druid. It's about a broke, so good. broke gay witch from Guthrie, Oklahoma, who has to save his uh, family from a I would say Cthulhu-like tentacle monster oh, yeah. yep. in Denver, so yep. that's fun. And then I've got my epic fantasy, Dark Moon Chalice, out on Halloween. And they're all also on audio, and my narrator is amazing and fantastic. Maybe the best audio actor I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, God, those audio He's <laughs> also super part. cute, and sometimes when I have an event, they screw up our pictures and put his picture on the wall. Oh. And I'll show up and be like, yeah. <laughs> So if I ever need to be in two places at once, I'll just send Michael. <laughs> Brahman, where can I find you? Ah. Well, oh, look at that. <laughs> online, you can find me pretty much anywhere at Shiny Baby B. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. The slides were made on PowerPoint and then imported into Google, so they did not translate well. <laughs> uh, you can find us um, thirsty on Tune, and we are also on the Talking Comics feed on all things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. So when you anywhere you find Talking Comics, you can find Thirsty on Tune. Yes, and you can find me. Um, 
a lot of places. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> but uh, you can find me primarily if you look at uh, Linktree slash The Myth of Psyche. You can find all of my various social medias as I try to find a home now that Twitter is dead. Um, but you can also, yeah, listen to our podcast because this has been Thirsty on Tune. And you can hear this wild chaotic mess as I talk monster fucking and she talks nerds and jocks. And we have various guests on, like David, like Steve, like Ben, who's going to come talk cryptids at some point with us. Yes. Um, <laughs> so please come and listen to us. And if you have more questions or want to chat with us, I at least will be outside for a couple minutes afterward. You can come up and get a card for our show if you want. And yeah, this has been us. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And where can our listeners find you, Bronwyn? You can find me on all the things at Shiny Baby B. I mostly live on Twitter, where I usually am tweeting about what I'm reading, because I'm always reading. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I tweet about feminism, psychology, and also what I am reading. <laughs> And you can find me also on Gotham Outsiders, a podcast talking about queerness and feminism in the Bat family with my co-host, TJ. And you should also be checking out our parent podcast at Talking Comics on Twitter, or you can email them at podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you want to uncork more web comics goodness from our show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Thirsty on Tune, where we should be reading, drinking, and being nerdy. 